1: Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In With Chris R podcast, and I'm taking Utah or Penn State in the Rose Bowl. BetOnline has free odds and lines available online or on your mobile device. Visit BetOnline.net today. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next
0: up for lead guitar. You're in
1: cool (laughs) yep even easier than that and with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts is it even a decision that's banking reimagined what's in your wallet terms apply see capital one.com slash bank for details capital one and a member fdic
0: Is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango,
1: and former Blues defenseman, Jamie
0: Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the holiday edition of the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and and I I cannot imagine what he is full of today because he just came in with that look in his eye. Uh Mr. Jamie Rivers, what's up, dude? Not much, man. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. See, there's a particular look for you and Jeff would get it as well where whatever day it was that you would you guys would just feel like giving me just a mm. a little extra crap and yes. you kind of have that look in your eye today yeah probably more so today
2: uh <laughs> i know you have tomorrow off <laughs> right and then i will be traveling with the blues all the next week so i won't see you so i figure i got to get my you know get my my work in now that's dummy. awesome so uh wh- where are you going with the team Uh, I'm meeting the team in Seattle. Okay. And then I'm flying with the team from Seattle to Vegas for three days. (laughs) Should be nice and quiet. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I, god i wish this was a video podcast the look <laughs> on your face was priceless three days in vegas will jamie river sleep when it's over probably yeah probably on the way home you know man i've never i've never been to vegas oh really no why it's just Is isn't... something you don't want to do no 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 no. no. I, I... what do you have against it donnie I would like to say that, no, I have nothing against it. I definitely want to go. The The, the situation has just never presented itself to happen. Is it really as awesome as everybody says You've that it is? never clicked on a Southwest flight
2: and said, hey, let's go? <laughs> well, also, two man, I'm With not all a- the bands and all the shows and all the stuff that you have connections to, there wasn't a show in Vegas that you couldn't be like, oh, by the way, I know that band for 20 years.
0: I'm going to go see them. Yeah, I really haven't thought about this the right way, have huh. I?
2: Because I'm here for you.
0: I thank you very much for that. But seriously, is it really like, because I'm not a huge gambler. Like, you don't it... have
2: to gamble. That's the best thing about Vegas nowadays. Like, way back when, uh, I remember the first time I went to Vegas. Oh, boy, it's a long time ago. It was <laughs> mid-90s. And things were different. You know, uh, there were some clubs, um, a lot of, let's say, ballets available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the gambling. That was kind of Vegas. Yeah. Oh, my God, has it evolved. Like it's crazy, and my brother and I usually go every year together. It's like this family tradition—not family, it's a like brotherly thing. Yeah. I don't know, call it what you it's want. A, it's a brother bonding trip. It's—it's it's a business trip. It really is. Actually. Okay, our uh, advertising business up in Canada—they have a massive trade show in Vegas every year, so we'll go a couple of days before and then stay for the trade show and you know kind of do our thing. So it's all wrapped into one. Yeah. It's official business of course. Um but no, Vegas has changed so much. Like the hotels are so incredible. The restaurants are the big thing now and you know, so many lounges and and the bars and yeah, there's some nightclubs for sure. I mean, it still gets it still gets popping in Vegas. Don't, sure. Don't get me wrong, but there's so much to do now that the gambling is almost like secondary unless you're a gambler. Right. If you're a gambler, you're like, "Okay, you're laser focused." You're, right. Look at everywhere there's chance for me to do something. But if you're not a gambler, you can go to Vegas and not even sit at a table for one minute, and you'll have your your dance card will be full the yeah. entire time you're there. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah, that, Mary and I are going to absolutely have to do that. While I'm thinking about this, real quick, do we know what's going on with Petro? Is he all right? It's a family thing, I know. Yeah, um, it's
2: a family thing. Yeah, I, you know, leave it at I'll that. I'll let him.
0: Yeah, whenever tell he wants to, and, public, and
2: I don't. Whatever he wants. Um, you know, from what I gather, it's it's not life threatening um, or anything like that, but. There's some stuff going on and uh you know, just wish him the best. Man. Well,
0: and you know when you see these kinds of things happen, you know it you know it's serious to these guys because they take their profession so seriously. So for them to just say, Hey, I'm going indefinitely, you know there's gotta be Well, and something. for
2: Vegas to just allow it too. Yeah. To
0: be like, Yeah, we're gonna keep paying you
2: and you go do that. And when you're done, we'll be here for
0: you. Right. So
2: that speaks volumes.
0: Too. Well, we're thinking about uh, Alex and, and his family, man. One of the best. So, a few things here that I wanted to kind of go over here before we start talking about our St. Louis Blues. One of those things being the 800th goal for uh, Mister Alexander Ovechkin, which happened in Chicago. He did it in style too, didn't he? Yeah, very much so. Wow. And the Hawks fans, who I don't like, but credit where it's due, they're chanting Ovi after he scored. Well, they was threw pretty hats sweet. On the ice too. Oh, that's right too. Yeah. I was like, I was
2: so confused when it happened because. Oh, I'm watching the highlights. Mm-hmm. I was going to see hats, and I'm like, where, where the hell are they? Right. I'm like, is they're in Chicago? <laughs> Chicago's throwing hats? But I was like,
0: you know what? It's kind of cool that they did that. Absolutely. They're is. witnessing history, you know? C- can you kind of talk about um, the player that Alex Ovechkin was and is? Um, ha- have you seen him morph as a player over his career? Is he, you know, obviously you learn a lot about the game as you play, but is he very similar to the guy that, that, that you saw as, as a young man? Uh, he's way more efficient
2: now as a player. Like when he first came in the league, he was just like a wild stallion. He could skate and shoot. And he wanted to stick handle through everybody on the ice every single time he got the puck. (laughs) Right. And then uh, the evolution came to where he's like, okay, I do something very unique and special, which is shoot the puck really, really hard and score goals. And so then when Backstrom and all those guys, uh, they got united all together in that one crazy power play that they had. Ovi started figuring out, like, this is my spot. And he also figured out that he's a pretty big dude. And he learned how to use his physicality. And you got to be careful out there. Because Ovi, he'll protect the puck and he'll use his size. he get to the front of the net when he needs to. But if you piss him off, you better have your head on a swivel. Because he'll come and find you. when he hits you, it's like getting hit by a truck. You know, he's like 240 pounds. It's a big dude. And yeah. he's strong. So... For me, the the evolution of watching him play has been kind of cool because he still plays hard, obviously,
0: but he's just got, he's just perfected that spot on the power play. Yeah, and what's so amazing to me about that spot on the power play? Okay, you know. I, know. I... <laughs> you know he's going to be there. You know what he's yep. there to do, and you're still unable, even knowing all of that information, unable to stop him. That is unbelievable
2: to me. But that's that goes. For me, that lies on the shoulders of his teammates, too, on the power play, because it would be easy to just try and get the puck to him every single time. And then, yeah, you could figure it out. You just post up somebody two or three feet in front of him and just block the shot every time. But they do a great job of picking a different door every time. And what I mean by that is, you know, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Oshie, all these guys, they all become options, and they'll shoot the puck, and they can score. So you have to respect it. And when you respect those guys, now all of a sudden there's just a nice pass that gets laid over there on a platter for Ovi, and he just puts it through the back of the net. So they, that power play has been one of the
0: scariest power plays
2: the last decade,
0: I, I would say. I really like uh, Alexander Ovechkin a lot. Um, I would definitely call him one of my favorite players of the last 10 years or so. That being said, I don't want him to break Kretzky's record. And, 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 and if he does, he doesn't. Credit where it's due. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just I look at Gretzky like I look at Babe Ruth or look at, you know what I mean, like an icon of the sport. And I'd like to see some of those records stay. But records are made to be broken. I look at it two ways. One, one, I'd like Gretz
2: to hang on to that record. But two, I also know that Gretz is never, ever, ever and ever going to lose his record for most points in a career. And when I look at Wayne Gretzky, he really wasn't a goal scorer. I know that sounds crazy because he scored 92 goals in the season. Yeah. Um, but Ovi is just a pure goal scorer. And so there's always a passing of the torch of some kind. He's still 94 goals away. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot of goals to score. It's a lot of years to be healthy. It's a lot of years to make things th- to make sure things go right. Um, but I look at it too as, you know, I kind of respect Ovi, the way he's done it, his longevity yeah. in the league. Um, you know, knock on wood he's i don 't even know how many times he 's ever been hurt. he just he 's like this truck that just keeps going, no matter how cold it is outside. he just keeps starting a damn truck up, yeah, and I respect it, and if he gets there and he breaks it, it won't be it 's not like he 's easily just going to do it all. It was just given to him he he 's got to put together a
0: serious frigging career to get there, well, and also too, the game has changed seemingly during Ovi's career a bit. You know what I mean? Being a little bit more defensive style early as to now where it's like goddang shootouts every other night. You know, oh, I wanted to ask you that, and I don't mean to switch the subject so quickly from Ovi, but um, obviously one of the things that we've seen in the NHL over the last couple of years is a lot of goal scoring. A lot. As an old school guy, do you hate it?
2: Um. No, I don't hate it. Like When I first broke into the league, there was a lot of goals being scored. Okay. And then in the early 2000s, things kind of got clamped down. Late 90s, early 2000s, the trap came in.
0: And, and didn't they outlaw the trap because the Devils were running no, it or you, something?
2: You can still run the trap. Okay. Uh, but they took the red line out. Because before when you had center ice line there for a two-line pass, you could just cut the ice in half and teams were screwed. Got it. Couldn't open it up. There's nowhere to go. Yeah. So then when they took the red line away, it opened it up a little bit. The trap is still there. Teams still use it all the time, um, but it's easier to get around the trap nowadays. Uh, But there was a lot of clutching and grabbing to where you could lock onto somebody, and that was it. it couldn't move, and there would be no penalty. So playing defense at that time, playing defense was easier in some aspects because you could just latch onto a guy, and that was it. If you were strong... You could play defense,
0: and also too, couldn't you? Like cross check a little bit more in front of the anything. net and stuff. Yeah, yeah.
2: You get away with things that you'd be put in prison for. I'm
0: not even joking.
2: I remember coming in front of the net and like just being like, uh, "I'm not in a good mood tonight," and just two hands somebody right in the back of the knee, hard as I can. Man. and then they would drop, and the referee be like, "That's ah, in front of the net. You got to earn it." <laughs> right?
0: Like the referees are in on it. And now you're getting a major well, if you, get, you do that. I'd
2: be, yeah, I'd yeah, be suspended. For the crap, like watch some of those games. Watch like Darian Hatcher back in the day. And Scott Stevens a cross check right in the back of the neck, and like got all I, like legal.
0: I hated Darian Hatcher so <sighs> much. Like I and didn't he was he one of your teammates yeah. in Detroit? Ugh. So Darian Hatcher, I actually
2: owe him quite a bit. Um, he was he signed with the Red Wings, and I was I had also signed with the Red Wings. I was like seventh defenseman. And coming out of training camp, I, I got sent down. I think it was more the eighth defenseman on the roster. I mean, it's Hall of Famers everywhere. So I got sent down to Grand Rapids. I played one game, and then Darian Hatcher blew out his knee in Ottawa. Their first or second game of the season. So they called me back up, and I was there for good. And so because Hatch blew out his knee, I got to you know perform – and then I got an extra two-year deal out of it afterwards. I'll be damned. Yeah.
0: And Hatch ended up being my partner in the playoffs that year. That's so... And and I say that like I hated him so much. But obviously, I hated him so much because he did his job so no, unbelievably his, well. He was one of the
2: meanest guys ever. Like, And, and those were wooden sticks, too, back then. And they were yeah. heavy. And he would just chop guys and cross-check guys and punch guys in the face. And He was a um, mutant. I mean, I used to... I'd, we'd play cards with him on the plane and... I think he, he didn't know what the hell to think of me, I, I think, at first. And I go, Hatch, you know what? I said, I'm proud of you. He's like, what? I go, you're the first one in your family to walk upright. <laughs> it took him a while. He's like, I go, now you still have road rash on the back of your
0: knuckles because they drag on the ground. But however... You know, you're doing great, Hatch. Dude, that's unbelievable. We will be right back with more of the Last Minute Blues podcast in just a minute. But we want to thank one of the Last Minute Blues podcast sponsors. And that is my dentist, Dr. James Maxwell. And we over to Crestwood Dental Group. We were there just earlier this week. Uh, my son, Dexter, needed to get in, the, in there and get checked, uh, checked out. He had gotten braces a few months ago, so the good doctor had to make sure that everything was looking good and, uh, you know, going the way that it's supposed to. Listen, one of the best parts, and I say this all the time, but I mean it. My kids are not afraid to go to the dentist because of Dr. Maxwell and his staff. When I was a kid, I was petrified to go to the dentist and i'm glad that it's not that way any longer i'm also glad that my dentist is always one that's learning always looking to make the next process that much easier for you all right find out more about dr maxwell by going to crestwooddental.com or give him a ring at 314-820-0909 that's 314-820-0909 it's crestwood dental group one of the proud sponsors of the last minute blues podcast so, so but long and short of it, you don't, you don't necessarily dislike what the game has become. It, 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 I dislike certain parts of it. I dislike,
2: um, how do we, how do you do this without sounding like the old curmudgeon? Yeah. And I know that's tough the for old, you, man. Back in my day. But, but you
0: know what though, man? and and, and, I, and I'll take some of that heat though, too when I started watching hockey and learning hockey, the physical aspect was one of the reasons in which that I loved it. And I'm not just talking about the fighting, yeah. but the stuff in front of the goal and the hits and all those sorts of things. And now it seems like if you breathe on a guy wrong and you have the wrong set of reps, yeah. they're going to run somebody into the box every three minutes. So that's
2: my problem with it. Okay. So I, as much as I came into the NHL as an offensive defenseman, I became a physical defenseman. Yeah. And I fell in love with the physicality of hockey and, There's something to to when I watch a game these days, like it's missing. It's missing, and I'm not talking about the cross checking, the back of the neck, the slashing. I'm not talking about dirty plays. No, just good old fashioned like earn your space out there. And if you do something stupid, you got to pay the piper. And there is not much of that anymore. And not like it's crazy too because in some ways the physicality has gone away. But in other ways, it's like it's ramped up to where it's stupid. And let me explain. So back in the mid nineties, two thousands, like if you had a great hit on somebody, uh, that's it. You know, you just keep playing. Like nobody came and to jumped to you as soon as you had a, a clean, good check. You, I trust me, I had a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And if if the NHL back then was like it is now, I would have had a hundred fights because. Every time you hit somebody now and they fall to the ice, teammates come rushing in to fight you. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, it's just a hit. Like, I respect. Okay, fine. You've you got to stick up, up for your teammate. Stick up for your teammate. Great. In a league that has no physicality, does it make any sense? Not, it doesn't make any sense. No. It's kind of like speaking out of both sides of your mouth, right? Like, we want to be able to speed and finesse, but if there's a body check, we're going to fight. Well, we're trying to remove fighting, but we're going to fight every time somebody gets hit. Right. What the hell are we doing here? I do not even think about it that way. So, you know, I look at it. Where when we would lay a guy out clean, and when that would happen to one of my teammates, I'd get a number. Like, okay, it was so-and-so. Next time that son of a gun gets the puck, I'm in his back pocket. Mm-hmm. Watch. And that's what you did, and you leveled the playing field. But but again,
0: you're not talking about, and I just want to clarify what you just said there. You're not talking about a dirty hit or doing anything dirty. You're no. just saying, I'm going back after Yep. to get. You, you know what I mean? You're just evening yep. it up.
2: I used to tell... I used to tell the younger kids, the rookies, when they'd come in as I got older and gr- more grizzled, I said, listen, every time you go to face-off, odds are you're going to be against a couple of dudes that you're with against a whole night. If you're a top four defenseman, you're going to play the top two lines. If you're a bottom two defenseman, you're going to play the bottom two lines all night. So you get got the same customers all night long. said, from the very first face-off of the game, when you guys look at each other, to the very last part of the game, when you look at each other, one of you is going to know who won that battle. Mm-hmm. And I said, I would rather die than look across at the other guy and knowing that he got the best of me. And that's the truth. I, w- I would, uh, even if I was in pain, if I could yeah. barely move, I could barely breathe, I'm going back out on that ice and I'm playing the same way. I'm not giving that guy the satisfaction
0: jamie I, I, it has never been more apparent to me in our time of knowing each other that you are a hockey player <laughs> like, like, like that was that was the, that was the most hockey player thing I think that you could have ever said though man and, and and I think that's great, and i do i I agree with you, and I obviously don't know as much about you, but just from the fan perspective. Again, I'm not talking about fights here. I, I understand no, I. how dangerous that that could be for, for people and things. But, like, I just wish a bit more of that physicality man was there. And, and also, too, like you alluded to, the players, I feel, are able to police themselves better than the officials can. The temperature will always
2: rise in those situations. But believe it or not, the more people you have that are willing to engage physically and play that way, the temperature levels itself out. Because everybody seems to kind of get their pound of flesh. Mm -hmm. When the referees intervene and there's just penalties called and if there's a goal that's scored and then there's another penalty, the temperature actually elevates to where it almost becomes like combustible to where you're like, you can feel it coming. Like something stupid's going to happen. Whereas before you'd have guys who could regulate that. Right. And there were times where there was nothing physical that would happen. Like if there was times where I went out and ran somebody, probably borderline, you know, Mm -hmm. and... I remember some of the respected players skating up to me, like Doug Gilmore. But hey, kid, enough of that crap. Okay, come on, that's not the guy to do it to. And you're like, all right, fine. That's so fascinating, you know, like because you'd know as a player, you're like ah, you know, I just got you know, like if it was a, a very skilled player, and mm-hmm. I just just buried him, borderline, you know, you know that that could elevate the temperature of the game in a heartbeat. And so when you know the the veteran guys and sometimes even guys on your team would say hey dial it back a little bit
0: here when you are playing against somebody that you respect a lot uh Doug Gilmore or whomever the case may be that that you got to to play against like was there ever a time that they said something like that to you and you were like you know man I know you're great and all but screw you like or or whatever oh, yeah. you, you... Chris Chelios oh. Chelios was my one of my favorite players growing up
2: I was in when I grew up in Ottawa he started playing with Montreal Canadians and Chelly played in Chicago mm-hmm. and played here with the blues and you know, Chelly one time kind of buzzing in, I forget what the situation was. Uh, I just hit somebody. I wish I could remember who it was. And it, they blew out their shoulder. And so Chelly comes by and he's like, trying to talk to me. He's like, Hey, you need to pick your spots. And I'm like, really, really Chelly, you, I go, you're the guy setting the standard out here. Yeah. I'm like, why don't you go bleep yourself? He was like, well, I'm like, yeah. I said, we can do this right now. I don't care. I'm like, you, you're the standard. Said, Mr. Cheap shot himself. Wow. And then he was like, ah. <laughs> and the temperature elevated, obviously, for a little bit. And then I was Jelly's teammate in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I, told, like, we remembered the whole thing. And I was like, you really, you came up with a straight face. And he's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so even he knew. This yeah. guy was an animal. You have no idea the stuff he did to like, because he played against the star players all the time, and Paul Correa, I think to this day, still wakes up in the middle of the night screaming because he has visions of Chelly. Chelly would butt end him. He would get in close and sucker punch guys underneath. Like it was so nasty, but it was that was the deal, right? And it was always like in important games
0: too. Okay, so let me ask you this about a guy like Chris Chelios: how how and again, I just want to say this for the record, as I'm sure you can imagine, another guy I hated. But how would? Oh, you would love him, Donny. <laughs> my he, God, if, would you love Chelli? And if he was on my team, that would be a whole other. Oh, he loves
2: music uh, and all the rock bands, dude. Oh, and man. just think about
0: it. He played for the Hawks and the Wings in the '90s and early 2000s. Yeah. For me, that's poison. All I right, know. but but as far as like, how would a guy like Chris Chelios translate to to now? Oh, he'd be fine. He'd be fine. Chelly could skate. He could pass. He could score. Like he did a lot.
2: He looked back at his numbers. He had some pretty big offensive numbers yeah. in a league that was pretty brutal physically. Um, and, and so that's the thing for Chelly is he could play that nasty style, but he could also crank it up and play really good. And he skated so well. He thought so. He thought the game so well. He was always always ahead of the game.
0: He's one of the greatest defensemen I've ever played with. Wow. And definitely one of the ones that I've hated the most in my lifetime. Uh, saw this real quick. A uh, million dollars, the salary cap's going to go up next year? I don't know about that. Okay, so you think I it think, could still be more? I think
2: this is um, gamesmanship by the league. Okay. Because the players' union obviously wants the salary cap to continue to rise. Well, the league is like, well, there's still there's money owed in escrow. So we're only going to go up a million. So what happens then is the players' union can say, well, you can raise the escrow on us a little bit as long as the salary cap can go up $7 million. So basically the owners are – it's like a, we'll raise the salary cap if you guys pay us more. Oh, wow. This this is the – I'm not going to get too far into it. One of the worst CBAs ever for the players. One of the worst ever. Think about this, Don. You have a salary cap on your league, which you never had before. Okay. And you agreed to a salary cap and an escrow. Okay. The escrow guarantees the owners make money. Oh. So when the owners fall short, the players have to pay for it.
0: It's terrible. Uh, d- did Don Fear do this? Was it him? Was he the guy that no, negotiated it? Wasn't Donnie. Okay. I was just boy, that that So then but then you've made these concessions. So then for the next contract or for the next deal, how do you reassess without how a striker or
2: That's the thing is, how do you go back on it, right? So Ted Saskin um, he's not a very well-respected guy anymore in the hockey world. He took over for Bob Goodnow, who players got confused by Bob Goodenow and some of his um, verbiage and tactics, but he really did have it, the best interest of the players at hand, and he always said, we'll never, ever, ever agree to a salary cap. There was some scumbaggish stuff that went on behind the scenes, and Ted Saskin took over for Bob Goodenow in the middle of the lockout. And then Ted Saskin guided certain players down a path to agreeing. And all of this got pushed through. And then four or five years later, nobody was happy with it. And the escrow is still there. And the players are still trying to figure out how the hell they can get rid of the escrow. Oh, so, boy. So this is going to be a mess when the, when the, when the CBA is up. I, I don't know if it'll be a mess. I think, that the, I think that everybody's learned their lesson from the number of lockouts that have happened that let's negotiate it. Now, yeah, like while the CBA is still signed and intact, and I think that the league, I don't think they have to be so blatant with the it's only going up in a million dollars because the escrow that's owed to us. Well, all you're saying there is players pay us more and we'll raise the salary cap. So the players are going to have to dig in their heels at some point. Oh boy. And I'm not,
0: I'm not like pro player, pro owner. I I feel like like you're you're pro cent, like thing that makes the most sense for everybody in the health of the game. I went through two lockouts. Enough. Yeah,
2: please. Uncle.
0: I, I mean, we can't. And the, it, Man, and I feel like the sport's got good momentum right now. I feel like it's at a good place. It that is. would be such a freaking bummer, man, if that happened. We can't allow that to nope. happen. Hey, what'd you see on Monday night, Blues and, uh, and Nashville?
2: Well, I saw a Blues team that worked really hard. They did. You know, they played hard. They um, sacrificed. They did. They did things that, you know, winning hockey teams do. They played hard defensively. They blocked shots. They were physical. Nashville's a really big, heavy, physical team, too. They're they're no joke. And the Blues stood up to them at every point that they had to. I think the penalty kill, obviously two games in a row now, the penalty kill hasn't given up a goal. So that's huge. I'd like to see more offense out of the Blues overall. But the effort against the Predators, you know, let's go back. The effort against the Avalanche was steps in the right direction the effort against the predators continued that forward motion now to hopefully when we get edmonton in the first game here on the road trip that that continues
0: what is it about the um the the canadian road trip the west coast road trips that are always like so uh, you know they talk about how grueling they are how tough they are why is why is that well right now you go up to canada edmonton and calgary it's freezing cold
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's not fun it, it, i shouldn't say that i love edmonton and i love calgary because the world is so hockey passionate, like it is nuts. It's so much fun to play hockey there. To just be visiting, maybe not all that much fun because it's freezing cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got that. You got, you, know, you got the grueling schedule. You got back-to-back this time with Edmonton and Calgary. Um, then you head over to Vancouver, which is you know, now you're traveling further west, which is you know another day of travel. You get to Vancouver and you play them, then you got back to back with Seattle, which that's nothing for travel. It's right piggybacked right there. Mm -hmm. But then you got to fly from Seattle to Vegas, which you got a couple of days off in Vegas, so maybe rest up. You got a little time to retool. Maybe rest up.
0: (laughs) Maybe not. Good thing I'm not a player anymore. But you know what? Though we say that though, man, and it's good for these guys to sometimes go out and let off some freaking steam because Christ knows that they freaking deserve it.
2: Yeah. Well, and look, there's a time and a place, right? So I don't know. What time the plane will land in Vegas on Tuesday night? Don't know. Um, but that might be the night to be like, hey, it's midnight here or 1 a.m. We don't care. Right. Vegas doesn't close. Right. Let's roll, boys. And then you give the next day off and you get back to practice on the Wednesday. That would be me. If I was a coach, I'd be like, I'm not going to fight this fight with you guys. <laughs> right. We're just going to do, you know, whatever. Go.
0: Well, I, I I'm absolutely uh, you know what the next week or so my work schedule is a little different. I'm gonna watch a ton of hockey and uh, and just relax, enjoy just that time of the year where we can kind of you know slow things down a little bit, man.
2: Yeah. Um. Two for our listeners. If uh, anybody's out and about on Saturday, okay. Uh, from five to six at Ob Clark's, I'll be sitting in there with Dan O'Neill, who wrote a book recently about the Blues. I'll be signing books in there and telling hockey stories and drinking beer and eating pizza. So come on by.
0: Dan O'Neill is one of my very favorite St. Louis Post-Dispatch sports writers of all time. He's great. Dude, there are very few people, Jamie, that can be sarcastic through newspaper (laughs) words the way that he could and I could get it. And you know what? And I don't mean to get, like, too deep in this, but it's guys like that. It's guys like Hummel. It's guys like Bernie Miklas that, like, I was actively reading the sports page growing up. Yeah. And they were so goddamn good at what they did <laughs> of painting the picture, man. That like just always hold those guys in high regard, man. And and, and O'Neill, he's like so deadpan. Yes. <laughs> like, like, oh yeah, yeah. Very so even, dry dry yeah. And deadpan. So that's so that's Saturday. Saturday at Obie
2: Clark's from five to
0: six p.m. Go Come see Jamie. By. Oh, and Synergy Hockey, you guys have got
2: uh, oh, your, yeah. your,
0: your stuff going on for Christmas break in that yeah, as well. Yeah, we've got
2: three different holiday camps right now. One of them is sold out. The other two are on the verge of being sold out. Uh, so please get online at SynergyHockeySkills.com. Click on the holiday camps. Uh, Centene is sold out, uh, but the Ice Zone, the Mills, and Afton still available. Probably about four or five spots available.
0: Well, that sounds great. Well, Mano, I I don't think I'll probably get to see you before Christmas. Merry Christmas, Merry my dude. Christmas, Donnie. I hope you have an absolutely amazing holiday. And stay safe, even in Vegas, you crazy man. I always will. No uh, problem. Don't worry about me. Jamie Rivers for Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton, and Donnie Fandango. As always, we thank you for listening to the podcast. And let's go Blues.
1: The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.
0: Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals.